This is episode 19 of Free as in Freedom for Wednesday, September 28, 2011. Hi, I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. I'm a lot closer to the mic than you are. Probably true, but I'm talking louder, so there is that. Um, so we're, we're releasing one day late. Why did you make us do that? I did so that we can, um, we can have our episode the same day that uh, Gnome 3.2 is released. Okay, well I'm sure Osama K has already complained that it didn't come out <laughs> yesterday. Well, we can say that it's coming a, a, a day later in well, advance yep. because we're living, we're living in the past again. On the other hand, Osama K will be happy because this show does not ha- really have any recorded talks. It does have a recorded interview that we're going to get to, uh, but it's not some recorded speech. Osama K hates that. He's complained. Other people have said they liked it, and so, but we are done with that for a little We've, while. We had a lot of them. Correct. And now we're, uh, we're, we're going to have more of a regular show with the two of us. We have a, a short interview, and we're gonna talk, you're going to talk lots of GNOME stuff, I think. I hope so. And Desktop Summit. So why don't we get started with you sort of telling us well, I was, GNOME I was, things that are going on. <laughs> I was going to say that we're, we, when I said that we're living in the past, I mean that we're, we're recording this a week before we're going to release it. But we're really living in the past in that the last, um, the last episode that we had was we were still at OSCON, which... It was a long time ago now. Our last episode two weeks ago, two weeks in a day to be exact, was uh, my talk from OSCON, and now uh, we've got uh, Desktop Summit to discuss. We went almost straight from OSCON to Desktop Summit. So while Desktop Summit happened a while ago, it's still um, the next agenda item on on our list from Mm -hmm. where we went. But at the same time, it's it's particularly timely because of the release of 3.2. I think we've never really talked about GNOME 3.0. On this uh, we've podcast, mentioned it a few we? times, but we haven't get, gotten into a lot of detail, and uh, I rely on you as our GNOME <laughs> correspondent for our AUGcast here, since you are, you are at the head of GNOME Foundation and, uh, and keeping track of these things. So uh, so why don't you tell us some about uh, GNOME 3.0 or 3.2 or well, both? You know, I do think that we covered some of GNOME 3.0 and that I mentioned it in, um, in, in my OSCON talk, right. which was the first talk that we, um, that we had from OSCON, mm-hmm. um, and I talk about how, um, how amazing it is that um, that GNOME had a complete redesign, and how um, you know I, I I hope that it will attract a lot of users. And the point of my talk was that um, it's absolutely essential that we make our software as easy to use and as pretty as GNOME three is, because we're making choices now about what kinds of software we're relying on, not just relying on for our computing, but because computing is such a big part of our lives, that's what we're relying on, you know, for, for, for the way we live. Um, and I draw the connection between my heart device and everybody who listens here is familiar with that whole, that whole shtick. <laughs> um, but, um, and, and, and I think that's really important, but, um, but as I'm sure all of our listeners know, there has been a lot of criticism about GNOME 3 in the press. Um, I yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot from, uh, from, I mean, I wrote this blog post and I'll link to that in the show notes, uh, where I was pointing out that, that I'm not really the, the target user base for GNOME 3 and, and that's fine. And I think a lot of hardcore hackers who would prefer using XSCE or some, 
very simplified desktop. I'm actually using a 10-year-old version of Sawfish that I have configured. Uh, I think there, there are a lot more people who are interested in what GNOME 3 does, uh, and that user base who was upset by whatever it was they were upset by, I think, is a Well, I think, there, you know, I think that one of the things that you, we can see in 3.2, which is really exciting, is that, um, is that you know, it, it takes time. And there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of little annoying things in GNOME 3. And there probably still will be in GNOME 3.2. At Desktop Summit, um, uh, Nick Richards gave a great talk. Um, he's a designer at Intel. Uh, he gave one of the keynote tracks. And one of the things that he did was he showed GNOME 2 and its development and showed how, um, how there were a lot of things that users were upset about that um, that weren't polished yet. Um, the basis was there, but all the details weren't hashed out yet. And he showed the iteration from different versions of GNOME 2. And what was also great was he did the same thing with Mac OS. And he showed its development and how it changed over the releases and how, um, you know, over time these releases became the operating systems and the user, uh, user interfaces that we, um, that we, you know, that users came to enjoy and were upset when they changed them. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where you have to take risks in order to, um, to go forward. Um, but what's so cool about seeing the release of 3.2 is that a lot of the complaints that folks have had are getting addressed. And what's neat about free and open source software and essential and part of that kind of critical type of thinking that we were talking about before is that in a free and open source software project, you know, there's a wiki where there's a, a list of um, annoying things and you can list your annoying thing there and hopefully, you know, um, and then it's there if you're a developer, you can go and fix it, you know, and, and that's completely different than those annoying things that were in Mac OS or, um, or in, in other systems that you'll use that are non-free. So I think that's really cool. Um, I wonder if we should... So we had the really good opportunity to talk to um, Yas, who um, is involved in both KDE and GNOME, which when we were at the Desktop Summit, we thought was a great person to interview um, because... Uh, he was one of the people who was truly entrenched in both the GNOME and KDE community. Now I'm talking about GNOME, but Desktop Summit is, of course, both the conference for, is both Guadalc and Academy um, at the same time and in the same place. And um, so, you know, should we go to that and talk um, about yeah, a little I, bit more about GNOME 3.2 after? There was one, yeah, okay, yeah. There's like so. a chronological problem here because Desktop Summit happened so long ago, or happened a while ago, and it, it was so long before 3.2, and I don't know. I, I do have a couple things I wanted to comment on from what you just said, okay. but, but, <laughs> but, but if you want to keep go, if you want to keep going, um, what we can do is we'll, let's listen to the to the interview with Yas, and then uh, we'll talk about that, and then I'll, I'll add my comments in after that. So oh, let's great. do that now. Okay. So I'm actually afraid to say your name because I know I'll mispronounce it. Yos Portfleet. Yos Portfleet. <laughs> well, that's actually fairly close. Okay. But yeah, Yos or Yos both work fine for me. And so uh, the second name, yeah. I'm actually here with Yos at the Desktop Summit. We are on the last day of the... Oh, well, actually, there's one more day. Exactly, yeah. Friday's still coming. Yep. And we've had a really packed week of um, great talks, um, interesting hallway track, and... Um, as you probably heard in the intro, which hasn't been recorded yet, um, all the impressions from my very first desktop summit slash Guadec as 
Gnome Executive Director. So what I wanted to ask Yas about was, you know, I wanted to bring him here because he's got such an interesting perspective on both the Gnome and KDE communities. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about your experience at, at Desktop Summit and, you know, sort of where you're coming from, from both communities? Well, I used to, you know, be the guy who did the news coming from academies, right? Because, well, when I uh, was part of the KDE promo team. Um, but, you know, in the first Desktop Summit, I tried to do the news for both teams, which was, well, quite a challenge. And, um, well, you know, I've been getting getting more involved with GNOME marketing, GNOME promo over the last couple of months or last year. And, well, you know, my goal for the Desktop Summit was to do cover both. And, well, that did unfortunately not work out as well as it should have. Uh, we I still have one final article to get out properly. Lots of distractions here, uh, especially the hallway track, as usual. I haven't <laughs> seen a lot of talks. And, um, yeah, you know, you need some input from people. For me, it's still, you know, GNOME is still a bit new for me. It's a little harder to, you know, put things in the right words yet because I don't know a lot about it. Um, I mean, there are a lot of exciting things going on. And then, you know, if you don't know the background, you really need to look people up and then you don't know them yet. So it's a little more of a challenge than it was in KDE, right? I mean, at some point I knew, like, more than half the people at the average academy. So, but I must say, compared to the first desktop summit, what's really cool is that, you know, at the first desktop summit, I know I knew, say, a quarter of the people, because I didn't know many GNOME people, and I knew, you know, half the KDE people. Mm -hmm. um, and I really discovered here at the desktop summit that I, again, know half the people, pretty much, because <laughs> I've gotten to know so many GNOME people, and that's really awesome. It's like this big gathering of friends, like, you know, like usually always Academy was, and now it's like for both, and that's really cool, I think. And actually, I think this goes for more people, right? A lot of people now know so many people in both camps that, you know, it's great to have this this thing together. I mean, there are really a lot of people that now, you know, have gone to Hackfest of both, uh, you know, communities and that are working, you know, on things in both communities. Not everyone, but, yeah, for a lot of people, I think it's uh, it, it's really great. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, maybe also because I, I was a lawyer for both communities, but coming to Desktop Summit is seeing a lot of old friends, and that's both from GNOME and KDE. But that's, you know, that's kind of the, the social track, which is really important, and, you know, I think we can talk about maybe um, how that impacts things. But um, but on a technical level, do you think that, um, have you, were you seeing, you know, collaboration between the two communities? Any new endeavors that hadn't been thought about before or something like that? I don't know really about new endeavors yet, but I don't do know that there are quite a few, you know, people, yeah, really mingling, working together on stuff, right? I mean, some of that has already been started up. I mean, a couple of months ago, KD has they had this, this huge hackfest in Rwanda with about 50 people. It's in uh, Swiss. Um, and, you know, Susan sponsored that, so... Well, we, we got a couple of people there. And there were also a bunch of people from Zeitgeist, uh, from Tracker as well, I believe. So, you know, there was already collaboration going on on that level there as well. And I think, you know, that definitely continued at the Desktop Summit. And it was fun at some point. I bumped into uh, Vishesh Honda. And he, uh, you know, was like desperately looking for uh, one of the Tracker guys because he needed to beat him up about something. <laughs> I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, it's really, yeah, people are, you know, meeting up. So, um I, Unfortunately, I don't really know about any big technical um, new things that happened yet, but um, I'm definitely going to look for that tomorrow for the final article for GNOME News. 
So do you want to talk a little bit about how um, how you came from being so mostly in the KDE community to being in the GNOME community? Okay, well, that's basically my job. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I... Um, Which will lead me to my next question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I work for SUSE now yeah. uh, as a community manager for OpenSUSE. And uh, I've done, done that for a year and a couple of days now because I started August 1st, you know, one year ago. Um, so... You know, before that, I've been like involved in KD for like nine or ten years, uh, and at some point, um, yeah, I had to kind of rebuild the KD marketing team. And at some point, you know, that was re working really well. I mean, we have a bunch of people here now, also at the Desktop Summit, that did, you know, that helped with the writing of like the articles, and that also, by the way, you know, used big parts of that for the GNOME news items mm -hmm. as well. I mean, you don't need to duplicate that. Um, so. Yeah, I was kind of ready for something else, and then, well, job offer came, or, yeah, came for SUSE, and, uh, well, I mean, SUSE is very much a community that, you know, once has both desktops, right, actually four official desktops, uh, so it's the only distro that really wants to have all of them on equal footing, so obviously as community manager, you should, you know, be involved, or, well, it doesn't have to be involved, but at least, you know, consider the two on equal footing as well, and I actually like that a lot, I mean, it's... You know, they're very different communities, but on the other hand, there are a lot of similarities and great people in both of them. So I got to know a couple of those people already at the Desktop Summit, but the first one. But yeah, it, it's it's really great to meet more of them, basically, in this way, you know. And actually, I think it's really fun to get a little more involved in GNOME marketing, as much as I have time right now. Because there are definitely things that, you know, KDE and OpenSUSE has been doing pretty well that, you know, I can bring to GNOME. And on the other hand, there are definitely lessons. Uh, I mean, I've been on the GNOME marketing list actually for like two years. I've always, oh, have you? Yeah, yeah. Much, I've much always longer been, than you know, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> See? Yeah, I've always been, you know, hanging around there and seeing, you know, what was happening and sometimes taking things like, hey, this is cool. And I've actually been commenting, I think, for one and a half year now already. So even before I got involved with, uh, uh, you know, as Open Source Community Manager already, you know, try to share some insights there. And actually, the buff that we had today, you know, the, the cross-desktop marketing buff, I think that was really good. Um, yeah, one of the things we were saying was that, um, you know, we think of the collaboration between KDE and GNOME as being very low level. But actually, I think that there's another opportunity, which is at the very high level, the kind of conceptual and ideological level. And this is where the marketing stuff completely comes to play, because... Um, you know, it's all about how we think about our a free desktop and how we talk about it, and that will be a lot better off if we're promoting them together. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that doesn't have to mean, of course, that you you know throw away your identity or or lose it anyway. But we're both you know free desktop projects, and you know when push comes to shove, we have a lot more in common than you know we have not in common, right? We we both want free software to succeed on the desktop, and you know we we use each other's infrastructure here and there already. So, um, you know, the more we do that and the more, obviously, like, you know, sharing a booth, right? OpenSUSE does quite frequently, you know, when OpenSUSE has a booth at a big conference, we often, you know, give some space for KD and some space for GNOME. You know, collaboration that way, um, I think it's really good. And I think both communities can, you know, come out stronger that way. And let's not forget the fact that I think our kind of, well, infighting, even though, you know, there is not a lot of fighting going on sometimes, but even the perception of infighting is doing damage, right? A, a corporate partner doesn't really look kindly upon that, to put it in uh, you know, quite formal words. So I, I don't you, think it's good. 
So you have a good perspective on that because you're at Sousa. Well, is it Sousa, Novelle, Attachmate? Susan. Sousa? Yeah, luckily, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I like that a lot more. Yeah, we're, gre- <laughs> we're, we're green again. So, but you're, and Sousa is its own. It, it, it's its own business unit. So it has its independent okay. marketing and product development. And, you know, all, everything is independent except some shared services like HR and, you know, finance. And, you know, like the boring stuff is done in the big company. But otherwise, it's completely independent. And it's a private company now. So, you know, no pressure from the market. No, you now have to make, you know, this deal this quarter. Otherwise, blah, blah, blah. That kind of stuff is finally gone. So I think it's really good for the company. So you think this kind of collaboration is really important to Sousa? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, Sousa is, you know, sponsoring both KD and GNOME and uh, working on projects in KD and GNOME. And frankly, I think also within Sousa, we are duplicating here and there. Um, and, you know, that... That doesn't benefit anyone, right? I think uh, having, you know, more integration and having more shared technology means both desktops become stronger, which in the end is good for SUSE as well and for OpenSUSE especially, because it's really, a, you know, I mean, the desktop is really important for such community projects. Right? As a company, SUSE focuses more on, you know, big iron hardware, right? Having, uh, yeah, big servers basically like stock exchange and that kind of stuff. But OpenSUSE, you know, for a community, the desktop is the first thing that, you know, you see and that you use. And only after a while you start looking at the underlying technology and you go deeper and you might be interested in a server or not. So for the community especially, it's really important that KD and GNOME are doing the right thing and not, you know, building desktops which could have been better if they would have, you know, not duplicated each other's technology. So, yeah. So I know we were talking about how great the Desktop Summit was and how uh, it's great that Katie and GNOME work together. Um, but GNOME 3 was, a, and I, I work for GNOME, and uh, <laughs> GNOME, the GNOME 3 was a, kind of one of the big stories of this conference and all of the positive and negative um, feedback on it. Um, how do you, do you have any um, any words about uh, GNOME 3 and SUSE? Hmm. Well, kind of putting uh, you on the it, spot. But. No, it, it's it's. Um, I mean, it's planned to be included in the next uh, OpenSUSE release. You know, uh, GNOME uh, 3.2 would that be? Um, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Actually, we didn't ship GNOME uh, 3.0 officially. Well, actually, we did create the the GNOME free promo DVDs. You know, that were handed out. Oh, yeah. We created uh, sponsored. Uh, we had 10K some at this conference too. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. those are really nice. Um, and we made, of course, the, the live DVDs, the frequent, you know, with the latest GNOME, so people could test it out. But the 11.4 release had, you know, was a couple of weeks before, you know, GNOME 3 was out. So we released it with the uh, GNOME 2.32, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that gives, you know, some stability, I guess, also for people. So we weren't really comfortable shipping GNOME 3.0 yet, because, you know, first of all, it wasn't ready yet. And second of all, you know, we kind of expected it. You know, it's not completely feature complete, etc. Uh, I mean, it's not as bad as KD 4.0 initially was, I think, from an end user <laughs> perspective. But it's still not completely ready. So, yeah. and we expect a lot of those things to be fixed by in uh, the next GNOME release. And actually, I think from what I've seen at the desktop zone, a lot of people are definitely looking, you know, at those issues and, you know, seeing and getting the input that is coming from the wider community. Uh, so those things, I'm pretty certain that most of those issues will definitely be fixed. 
I'm going to put you on the spot again and just uh, ask you, you know, I, I blogged about the fact that I'm still using GNOME 2 on my Debian box and I've got a GNOME 3 um, Fedora box at home. Um, and I, I intend to install OpenSUSE as well. I, I need a, a good, you know, a, a, a good feel of all the distros, so I, I plan to do that. But uh, what are you running? Hmm. Uh, at home, I have uh, GNOME 2.32. Okay. And uh, on my laptop, I have... Uh, KDE, so for you know, small screen kind of optimized. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I actually, you know, I haven't been home for a long time, frankly, <laughs> so I haven't even had time to upgrade to GNOME 3. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, as soon as uh, there are a couple of decent stable snapshots of the upcoming 3.2, I think I'm going to move over to that because I want to play with that before... You know, everybody has it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for uh, for agreeing to do the interview. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Well, I mean, I'm really happy actually with the new executive director for the GNOME Foundation. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank no, you. No, I think it's it was really good meeting you, and uh, I wish you the very very best. Thank you. It's been a great desktop summit, and I think so too. Great. Thanks. So I think that folks can hear kind of the good feeling that was at Desktop Summit. It really was such a good time. And, um, you know, for me as a, um, you know, former SFLC lawyer, it was amazing to see my old KDE friends and, um, and be the new executive director of GNOME. It was, it was really different and really cool. And Yas was an interesting person to talk to because he's tried very hard to be in both communities because of his historical relationship with KDE and the fact that he's now uh, taken over Zonker's old job at Novell and therefore they're more of a GNOME shop. They are now called OpenSUSE, that division. Oh, whatever. Um, And they're actually up to some... Attached me, I don't know. They're really up to some cool stuff. Like after we finished the interview, um, Yas went at length on it, you know, to me about some of the things that OpenSUSE is working on, and um, and I'm sure you'll see more from them soon. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I think it's certainly better that they are OpenSUSE, that they're SUSE again and separated mm-hmm. out from Attachmate, uh, because Novell was not a company any of us trusted, uh, and for various reasons, and so, so the separation is probably I'm a good sure. thing. I'm not sure, I mean, I... You know, I don't know. I I have to say, I don't really know what you're talking about because so when I just said that they're open SUSE, they're um, that's what they that's the preferred nomenclature. But they're so part of Attachmate now, not Novell. They are, but they're a business division of Attachmate, Attachmate. not Novell though. But they are still. I, I don't think anything structurally has changed except the name. Well, okay. So the Microsoft I like the Novell fact that deal. Focusing on SUSE, that's cool. The Microsoft okay. Novell deal, I guess, somehow. Is still there in some way. Uh, I just don't know that the change of name in terms of marketing and in terms of identification changes anything more fundamental. Yeah, I'm, I'm not but sure. But I don't know. You're probably correct. And, and Greg Cage has often said to me that, that he feels that, that, that OpenSUSE really is, it's, it really has a lot of independence and, or SUSE just as a division has a lot of independence and, and is a, a valuable, uh, sort of, a somewhat autonomous division. I don't know how much I believe that, but I think that uh, I, I think that as we, I guess as we get further away from the Microsoft Novell deal, it becomes less of an issue, especially as it expires and then it doesn't work under V3 anyway. So 
Um, so, so uh, I was glad to see, you know, Sousa participation at Desktop Summit, and um, I, I think they were kind of a, a, a critical part along with other participants. Right. I, I mean, I agree with that because there is this Red Hat versus canonical view that I think uh, Sousa creates uh, somewhat of a, of a, of a less of a us versus them mentality uh, because it's a third entity in the mix. So that, and from that point of view, I think it's helpful. Yeah, well, there. I mean, and 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 that's why it was so neat that um, you know Intel has also been involved, and in, you know, one of the reasons why I I wanted to mention Nick Richards' talk is because I think he's also got an interesting perspective on you know 3.0 uh, being an Intel. Yeah, I, I, I truly am baffled. There and, are other companies. And Intel's there in, are yeah. actually a lot of companies involved. Agreed, and with, I, and I'm know. actually from from my point of view, and I won't ask you to explain. Uh, I will just say it <laughs> and and put that, that I'm baffled by companies that don't have a desktop product, how they're so interested in desktop software. I think it's great, but it's There's it a lot of software um, that is is included in the GNOME project. True. That's useful True. for a lot of different stuff. That's a good point. So, okay, I guess we can leave it at that. I mean, I wanted to pick up one thing you were saying before we listened to Yasa's interview uh, to mention uh, a thread that I have followed uh, on the desktop list, uh, which is sort of the overarching list for the GNOME project. Actually, very low traffic, which is why I'm on it. It's it's really only issues that get sort of bubbled up from other mailing lists. And there was somebody trying to do this survey. Uh, mm-hmm. And the thread ended with actually a really good post, which is what I was thinking about when you talked about people saying things in the press that uh, Sean, uh, who's on the board of GNOME Foundation, also mm-hmm. runs uh, the desktop project, heads up the desktop, I'm sorry, the desktop. Documentation. The, doc, the GNOME yeah. desktop documentation project, whatever it is. Uh, that's I was trying to say the word desktop, which didn't actually fit in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he heads up the GNOME documentation project. It's he, another D. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he pointed out that the... The concept of, uh, of response bias is really important to can think about in these kinds of responses you're getting from GNOME 3. And any type of survey you try to do out or at questions you try to ask out to the general public, the people who are most angry are going to be the ones that are most likely to respond. And so you get this very, very biased uh, survey. And it's very difficult in our community to do a survey that that's not doesn't have some sort of response bias because we don't really have the resources to hire some you know, like the, like a pollster. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like political candidates do. So so I, I think we have to be careful that there was a certain amount of response bias, basically because, quite frankly, people like Linus and and other kernel developers are, are big, famous names. I mean, I just watched uh, on Jeopardy last week. Uh, they they had a clue that had Linus Torvald's name in it. Um, oh, really? Incorrect clue, of course. Huh. It said... This operate this uh, most supercomputers are run by this operating system written by Linus Torvalds. Ah, and they should have said this uh, kernel written by Linus. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, um, I I wondered what would have happened if I had been on Jeopardy and responded correctly, and 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 what would have happened because obviously we know what they were asking for, but right. Anyway, so but the point is, you would have clarified that sometimes the 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 people on Jeopardy. I haven't seen that many, certainly not as many as you. But sometimes on Jeopardy, they um, the contestants clarify when they're answering, and they say, "I think that what you're getting at is this." Although, (laughs) and then they look really, really geeky, and it's it's, kind of impressive. It's true. Although, Although the first guy rung in and said, "What is binary?" What? Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I compared it to. I'm sorry, we got off topic. The Lego we got off topic. So uh, I compared it to if the que- if the answer, of course, Jeopardy is the reverse answer. Give the question. If the answer had been, this project has sought to catalog the entirety of human genetics. The what answer- is the Dewey Decimal System? 
No, it would be like saying what is DNA to that, oh, to that right? Saying what is binary to I that. I was just trying to go yeah. slightly out. Like, you no, know, no, no, no. It, it was like it a whole category of things that right. you know. It would have said what is DNA. Well, of course, it would be what is the human genome project. It would be what is DNA because it seemed like binary yeah. is such a like so kind of off from right. Yeah, it's like what is it's like it's like a, a thing that computers use. Like so, it's like what is DNA instead of what is the human genome project. I was like, I was like, I don't think I would make that mistake, and I certainly wouldn't ring in and make that mistake. I have um, a good friend who was on Jeopardy. I know. He lost on Jeopardy. I know. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but my point is, is that people like, like Linus and other He's very folks, smart, though, incidentally. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you, you, I mean, it's usually a lot of people who've gone through a vetting process. Yeah. So it's gonna yeah. Be. Anyway, so my point on this was that Linus is a well-known name. And so when he says something about Gnome 3, suddenly it's news, but, and then everybody wants to ditto well, and also, it or whatever. It's the kind of thing that I think causes really strong reactions. So some people were really excited about Gnome 3 and some people weren't. And when you talk about that survey, I think something else is that you can't, you can't survey potential users. Right? You can only ask questions of people who are already using, already involved, already contactable. And, you know, it's just, you have to think about sort of what the general goals are overall. And what's cool about 3.2 is that it does fix some of the things that were annoying people. So do you have a, um, you have a short list of things that it, that, that people will be glad to see? Or is, will we have to wait for the release announcement? I think the, for that? honestly, I think the easier window resizing is the thing that people were most, like, one of the things that people were upset about that has been fixed. Um, but there's a, um, you know, I, I resize my middles with 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 meta two R <laughs> meta meta two F F F F meta two N meta two N meta two N. I think you understand. I think you acknowledge that you're not you're really not the target audience of. Uh, I, I I've said that on my blog and here. You weren't the target audience of GNOME two or. GNOME I, I look at this screen. I have, have a GNOME two. I have the GNOME two panel. I yeah. even use the little net. It's, for the first time in my life, I prefer a GUI. I use the network manager GNOME two network manager GUI and instead of uh, the, the command line interface, the network manager, which surprises the heck out of me, but I do. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming in 3.2. Um, it's all just kind of like polishing and refinement. Um, so, you know, things things like setting up more infrastructure for online accounts, messaging is now fully integrated. Things and is like that through telepathy, or is there other technologies uh, that are involved as well, or... I, mean, I guess I guess telepathy is still sort of under it's, development. It's through other. It's actually uh, it's 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 a, a more it's a more integrated thing. Oh, so, so it's like it is, coming from DBus or something like that. You know, it's 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 it's, an, it's it's a it's a bunch of different stuff. Right. So. Well, yeah. I guess telepathy is still uh, still kind of under development, I suppose. So it's probably not ready <laughs> for prime time yet, in some sense, uh, as far as being the default for everything communication based on the desktop. And I think there are some strong opinions about whether telepathy will be. Yeah. Default. So, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, obviously. Well, I think it's actually come a long way. Yeah. Uh, but also, but the thing is, you wouldn't want to make a, a big change, <laughs> a big change. It's actually a gnat. Um, a gnat. I'm swatting it. It's a gnat. Bradley, and I, uh, it has nothing to do with telepathy. It's a gnat. Do you know the, the, it's a <laughs> well, do you know that that was the name of the original GNU bug tracker? She's killing gnats. But that was the name of the original GNU bug tracker. That is great. That's a it, that Somebody name. is still using, actually. It's so old and so decrepit. It was like, imagine like everything you hate about Bugzilla a little bit worse. And that was what uh, Gnats was. Um, it was all email-based, of course, because it was written in the late 80s. But anyway, yeah, so, so Gnats. Um, anyway, okay, so, so... So we have more to talk about, but I just um, I, I wanted to kind of take this up. Since we were releasing at basically the same time, you know, we were we, our regular release schedule would have been one day before Gnome 3.2. Um, that I thought we would delay it and come out at the same time. Um, so give it a try. Yep. And, um, and so where do they go to give it a try? 
Oh, uh, gnome.org. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know the answer to this question. Yes, you do. I was just trying <laughs> to get you to do the usual thing. Um, become a friend of Gnome. We can keep fixing the annoying things. Um, and, uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, so so let's take a short break, and and then I have a couple of news. There's been some news going on in the sort of sub community that tend to be our listener base that that we should talk about. So Great. we'll take a break and then talk about that. So we're back, and I failed to kill the. Gnat that's the gnat that's well, we, we have, flying around. So if you hear me smacking the table again, that's what that is. Well, that's the, the, the gnats have been a problem at this particular facility. That's my, my co-working facility that I've mentioned on Identica, which, uh, by the way, brings me to a topic. My first, uh, I'll just do this rant. I actually have a much better topic next, but I'll start with this one since I mentioned Identica. So, um, Identica turned into Facebook, um, and over the last weekend, on Software Freedom Day of all days. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not, I mean, it's still free software, of course. It's not like I'm saying it's not free software. The problem is the interfaces now looks like Facebook, not like Identica. It's not microblogging anymore. Mm-hmm. The default interface. And a lot of people are frustrated. I can't really use Identica. I, I, I compared it to someone. I said it's like uh, that SNL Saturday Night Live skit of unfrozen caveman lawyer. I, I load Identica now, and it frightens and confuses me. <laughs> I don't understand these strange new ways of your culture. See, and, I just honestly, I haven't looked at Identica in so long. Yeah, well, if you look now, it'll look like Facebook. You've seen Facebook, right? Identica looks like that now. That's fascinating. No, it's not really. And what about like mustard? Is that still? I mean, I haven't even loaded mustard since the upgrade, so it's. Uh, I'm gonna load my Identica page for Karen here, so she can see like how, like what it looks like now. Um, it's 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 Scottish. I mean, the thing is, is that is that it's clear that they want. Um, uh, actually, you need to see my home because because you see the replies are automatically on the screen when people reply to you and so or yeah. reply and like if somebody if somebody you follow or a group you follow is in a reply, it shows you the whole thread. And so you see tons and tons of stuff, and then they have these uh, polls now, and you can like stuff like on on. On, on Facebook. Facebook, yeah, it's I'm not happy with it. Um, and my biggest complaint, and and I've given Evan oh. a hard time about this, and it's not like I want the. De- oh, sorry, you're gonna say something. No, I was gonna say that you were. Weren't you just saying that um, that anyway? All of the discussion that had been going on on uh, Identica has moved to Google Plus which anyway. Which brings me to my other point, which is uh, there's been this upgrade, and. Uh, the first thing I did is, oh, did they fix the backup account thing so I can export my data? They didn't. And I, I don't think, I, I really have a hard time usually with saying free software developers have like some requirement to do what a game or I'm maybe the only one who backup doesn't work for, for people who have smaller accounts with fewer dents. Backup does work for them. Doesn't work for me because the query is too big and the MySQL query killer kills it before I get my data. Um, on their servers. And I've been complaining about this for about a year, and I, I, I understand completely that the bug doesn't affect that many people as a triage, bug triage issue. They're not going to fix it anytime soon, but it's a violation of the Franklin Street Statement. And from my point of view, it's like I can't really believe in StatusNet as the thing that implements the ideas of the Franklin Street Statement anymore because I, I can't get, I'm, I'm trapped. I can't get my data out of Identica. I can't go install an old Identica, insta- the old software, and, and import my data or any of that. I can't. I'm trapped. Mm. 
If I want to do microblogging or at this point Facebooking, uh, Facebook liking, the Facebook like thing, uh, I have to use uh, Identica because I can't get my data out. Hmm. So I was just really excited because I was feeling really guilty that I didn't dent um, the fact the Linux uh, Conf Australia keynote announcement, but um, somebody also at GNOME has done so for me. Yes, that's correct. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for, strangely, we can see that uh, instead of all these other answers from people. And the other thing is threading is gone. So I don't think the metadata is gone, uh, and I was talking to other people about this, but when in the default interface, there's no threading of the conversation. So I sort of started to treat Identica as like a 140-character Usenet, which I really liked because I used to like Usenet, and, uh, yeah. and it, that, that feature's gone too. Now, it's pro- the metadata is probably not dead, but the problem is people are now, if they're using the web interface, they don't think of it as a threaded conversation. They think of it as somebody said something and a bunch of people replied. It's not a thread. And I'm, I'm pretty sad about it. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Identica is dead. Long live Identica, I guess, is what I'm saying. Hmm. Um, so uh, the next uh, the next issue is that uh, somebody's trying to take over the conference room, uh, as usual. Yeah, this is a, another. They want to hang out with the net. No, <laughs> it's this problem with the co-working facility that people think that they can just squat the conference room. It's it drives me nuts. We have it till two today, and so anyway, I, I, I people people who follow me on Identica back when I used to use Identica more regularly know that I have annoyances with my co-working facility here. But anyway, so uh, but moving on to the other topic, which is much more important than my ranting about complaining about Identica, uh, is this blog post by Matthew Garrett uh, regarding this secure boot issue, uh, this UEFI thing. Uh, that Microsoft gave a technical talk on, which has become news. And I'm glad it did because people were, were leaking this to me uh, in some sense saying, oh, this is a hidden in plain sight thing that Microsoft had said that you should really look at and FSF should be worried about and free software advocates should be worried about. And as I was trying to decide what to do with that sort of cloak and dagger side to it, uh, I saw that Matthew Garrett publicly posted it. So the people who were telling me it privately, it's, it didn't become an issue that it had to stay private or anything. Uh, but people should read this and worry about it. it. It's really, from my point of view, an extension of what Microsoft's been doing since the whole treacherous computing thing was announced 10 years ago. Uh, it's, a de- it's designed to lock down your computer so you can only boot proprietary software. And uh, and obviously everybody's really worried about that. I, I, and of course they're they're selling it as you won't have viruses now. I'm like, why don't you write your operating system better? Yeah. And then people wouldn't have viruses. You wouldn't need to worry about people writing bi- bi- viruses that can sneak from your operating system into your BIOS and all that junk. So anyway, people should look up at this. I think people have been asking me. Uh, other people who know about it have been asking, why aren't you completely freaked out? Uh, mainly because Microsoft's been trying to do this for a decade and hasn't succeeded. And even though many laptops on the market, in fact, probably most laptops in the market, have a TPM chip in them, uh, everybody just turns it off and nobody uses it. So not nobody, but very few people actually use it. And I think that that's not going to change. Uh, people are worried about things like, well, you can't boot off USB anymore because the USB won't be signed and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then if it is signed and you use some sort of self-signing system, then you can't boot Windows anymore and it's going to completely bifurcate yeah. your ability to dual boot. And I mean, there's been a sort of a call for signed versions of GNU Linux in other contexts, mm-hmm. but that's not the same as, as, as requiring 
yeah. signing. Yeah, and and GPLv3 is well written to deal with some of these issues uh, and and talk about that issue of, of of what has to happen user products versus non user products and what people can do inside their own company versus what if they're marketing a product to the public. So I'm not that worried about it. I think I think it justifies why we were so worried about this in GPLv3. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of us who were involved in GPLv3, this was worried because Microsoft wanted to wanted to do this for a long time, and the movie industry wants them to do it. And they're going to use, oh, it saves you from viruses is the way to get the movie industry what they want because Microsoft probably believes that the movie industry is their last bastion of friendliness. It's the whole Netflix thing where Netflix doesn't, uh, that has everything DRM'd because the movie studios want it and they have to use Microsoft technology because the movie studios wanted them to use Microsoft technology. Right. And didn't Netflix sort of just split their businesses? Yep. The streaming and the, yeah. the, the renting discs. But the thing is, is that, is that basically it's proprietary. It has to be proprietary software and it has to be, and it has to be proprietary software. It doesn't even run on GNU Linux because it could be the next step, which is in my sense somewhat worse, which is proprietary software that runs on GNU Linux. Uh, but the movie studios want Stanford because they want yeah, Microsoft I technology. Um, I haven't looked at this in a long time. So, but I vaguely recall that Nina Paley had a issue. Releasing Cita Sings the Blues on Netflix, just yeah, yeah. because um, there was no, there were no mechanisms in place to release a non DRM version, to distribute a, a non DRM version, but also to include the appropriate licenses and yep. notifications. So, uh, so it's it's a it's a troubling thing uh, about this boot process. But I think constant vigilance will take care of this. If people keep talking about it and the news keeps saying things about it, I think we'll be in a pretty good spot to uh, to oppose it. I, I don't think Microsoft's going to succeed in getting everybody to use this. Uh, I, they've been trying this for years, and this is just a mm-hmm. new initiative. It's a new a new technical solution to a, a, a philosophical and marketing problem that they've had for a long time, but it's not such an amazing revolution that it's going to change what people want. It's really just Microsoft doing what the movie studios want again uh, because they're losing market share yeah. and all that. But this has been a real episode of rants and raves, actually. I guess. I mean, this is really like, rant. I, I mean, know, the funny thing is I'm less worried up. about that Identica. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm I'm not as freaked out by this whole secure boot thing just because I've been through it before. Microsoft has tried this before, and there was fear that there was going to be secure boot when they started putting the TPM chips in laptops, mm-hmm. and it never happened. And I just don't think it. I don't think users are going to fall for that. Seth Schoen years ago said to me, uh, "I was used to be the kind that was freaked out about DRM and lockdown hardware." And Seth said, "Seth told me at the time. I don't know if he still believes this. That he's Seth Schoen of the EFF." Uh, don't worry about it because every eight months that DRM is not universal, it becomes exponentially less likely it will ever be universal because basically people in an exponential way discover that their lives are better without DRM and, and we, we, yeah. we can worry less and less. So I hope that's still true. Um, I, obviously, I Seth Schoen told me he was I looking mean, into this as well. So I think EFF is bothered by this trusted boot just like Seth is. Just yeah, like I'm actually else's. on the EFF website, which so. is maybe causing you to say that. But, um, but I mean, you know, what we saw with DRM on the Apple Store and music was, you know, I, I hope the same kind of thing that we'll see everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, so that was the only other thing. I have one minor, since we did some GNOME announcements, I'll do one minor conservancy announcement. Uh, our PyPy member project is in a fundraising cycle. They're trying to raise money to support Python 3 on PyPy. And I hope people will give generously to the campaign. I'll link to it in the show notes. And it's already linked to from Conservancy's website at sfconservancy.org and PyPy's website at pypy.org. And uh, I, I really like that Conservancy has been doing more of uh, our developer funding. And one other thing I'll pre 
announce myself because it'll force me to do it. Uh, I'm planning uh, the first week of October, which will be before the next uh, show comes out, uh, to write a one-year blog post because it'll be my one-year anniversary as full-time at Conservancy. Oh. And I have not been very good at blogging at Conservancy. Obviously, people know that I have my personal blog at eb.org. It's really hard. Yeah, yeah, because you're trying to do it for Gnome now too. I am trying to do it for Gnome, and even just keeping like a you know every other week update email is really tough. Yeah, I mean my my, uh, my personal blog generally, I just I write a bunch of blog posts like on some Sunday morning, and then slowly dole them out. And so my personal blog is pretty easy to keep up with because I I basically spend my own personal time on that. What little of I have, I haven't had much lately, so well, I hasn't like been blogging so much on my own site. But choosing to, between getting stuff done or writing about it, it's yeah. really tough. Yeah, so on the conservancy side, I have not blogged as much. People have flamed me about it, which. Uh, uh, that wasn't too nice, but that's okay. Um, but um, my hope we're always going to get flamed about something. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that I, I it's one year anniversary, so I'm going to write a blog post, and hopefully it'll sort of be the summaries of things that the big things that have happened. And one of the things I'm going to talk a lot about to pre-announce this too is is how much developer funding we're doing through Conservancy. We're doing a lot of it now. We're funding developers to write free software. And I think that's just really great for non Free software now. that's in the interest of the public. Yep, exactly. Which is, it's so great. Yep, yeah, and uh, and uh, we talk about that a lot in the PyPy proposal. There's a whole section about how PyPy helps I love helps that the about the PyPy proposal. I love that you have the whole section that says, how is this in the public good? Because I think that's something that we often lose sight of. Yeah. And putting it in... The proposal is... Well, obviously, I wrote most uh, of that I, section. <laughs> I, know, I know you did, but the fact is that anyone who reads it will scroll down. Anyone who's really interested will scroll down and see that, and they'll think about that. And yeah. I think that's really important. So, uh, so I, I hope people will give generously to that campaign. If you, especially if you're in, if you're into Python, you, you should give to it because uh, this I'll I'll, I'll, I'll promote uh, one of our projects a little bit. PyPy it really is the future of uh, of Python implementation. It's fa it's faster in many cases than C Python, which is really neat uh, because because of the the great uh, virtual machine and JIT technologies they have inside. Uh, PyPy. And uh, while Python 3 might not run as fast initially, um, it has potential to, to get better. And getting the support for Python 3 on PyPy is a great way to have an infrastructure that supports both uh, Python 2.7 and Python 3. So if you're excited about Python, I think giving to the PyPy campaign is, is a great idea. And I hope people will. And uh, I encourage people to look for more of that. There'll be more of Conservancy projects doing this kind of fundraising, directed fundraising for improvement of specific features in their projects. And I hope over the next year, Conservancy can do more of that. So I think Very that's cool. everything I have for our... We covered a lot of random different stuff, but I think people will... And we, 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 pitched, our, uh, we pitched our day jobs. Well, I think long term, this podcast will become the Conservancy Gnome podcast. I think, well, a little bit. I mean, it's what we're involved in. It's right? you know, know, it's what we're. But, no, it's not wrong. I don't in. think people will be bothered by it. I just yeah. think it's a reality that people will have to get used to. Well, I think we'll continue to talk about legal issues too. Um, because, well, I mean, my compliance because that's a big, that's a big interest to both of us. My well, not no, so. last episode, my compliance talk. I mean, that's work I do for Conservancy. So yeah. it's there's going to be a lot of people. And we both do volunteer work for the FSF, and we both that's do true. you know. Have our other pet projects? I don't have any others at this point, but <laughs> there's just conservancy and my work for FSF, and I got nothing else going on. It's too um, much work. I mean, I've got my medical devices work. I know. You, well, you're, you're obviously better at uh, multitasking than me. <laughs> well, I, I, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Um, but as, as we said, blogging sometimes suffers. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I so I pre-announced this now, so now I, ha I know I have to do it. it was, uh, I See, but that's what I said about myself. my copyright assignment blog, and then it took me like a good week or two after I promised it would be published to publish it. Okay, well, but... Um, it was published. 
Well, mine will be too. So, All right. And uh, we'll be back in uh, 13 days because uh, this is coming out a day later. Yep. Free is in Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of halfbakemedia.com. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Free is in Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 United States License. Mm-hmm.